listening to Beyond the Game. I love you guys. love the program. You're already famous in Rochester, the Watch Out World. It's a faith-based sports radio program. That's the dumbest thing I could think of. I love everything about it, the, the, the beards, the handshakes. That just means I'm never leaving my kids alone with you. The ladies are digging my sweet bass. We would be honored if you would join us. Welcome into the Beyond the Game program. I'm Rick Benson. With me is Zach Barletta. We are glad you're here as well. BTGprogram.com or at BTG program. It's sports talk from a faith-based point of view. What do we know after two weeks of the NFL? Not much. For, for <laughs> one, based on some social media accounts of Buffalo Bills fans, we know that the Buffalo Bills are heading to the Super Bowl. I... I told you this, Zach. I love Bills fans. I love how passionately they support their team. I think the Buffalo Bills have one of, if not the most supportive, passionate fan base in the league. Oh, absolutely. But what I really love about the Bills fans is how they ride two extremes. They're sitting 2-0, and and you've got some people talking Super Bowl. They're going to lose one game and be sitting 2-1, and and they will go from talking Super Bowl to the sky is falling. Here we go again. Everything's going wrong. For Bills fans, the Bills are like your little brother, where nobody else can talk bad about my little brother, but I can and I will. You know, like I don't want to hear ESPN talk bad about the Bills. I don't want to hear Fox Sports talk bad about the Bills, but I personally will talk bad about them in a heartbeat if they let me down. That's how it goes. I just love the two extremes. Again, I love Bills fans. I, I think they're so passionate. But seriously, what are some of your observations that you've seen from the first two weeks of the NFL's regular season? Uh, well, as far as the Bills go, when we when we talked about um, before the season in our preview, the Bills make the playoffs if. And what I picked was if Josh Allen levels up in his second year and becomes a better all-around, more mature quarterback. And I think we've seen that. We've seen him be willing to throw the ball away when there's nothing there. We've seen him take the short throws and the checkdowns just to move the chains and not look for the home run on every play. So I'm cautiously optimistic about that. Um, I think we've seen some of the coaching changes and the effects that they've had. Um, I think about the Bills' next opponent, the Cincinnati Bengals, coming up. Um, We didn't see it in week two, but in week one, we saw aspects of that Sean McVay offense that Zach Taylor has brought to the Bengals. And look, the Bengals might not win a lot of games, but finally for them, it won't be because of coaching. Um, We've seen some teams like Tampa Bay. The offense has yet to get going under Bruce Arians, but the defense looks better than the Buccaneers defense has been in a long time. So one of the things I've noticed is some of the coaching changes are having effects. We know the New England Patriots are once again very good. Mm -hmm. Good. We know the Dallas Cowboys are good. Yeah, they might. Dak Prescott is playing great. Mm-hmm. We know uh, there's some things we learn. One of the things we know for sure is that the Miami Dolphins are in full tank mode. Oh, my gosh. They are awful. And they are not simply tanking as a strategy. They're tanking in what might end up a historical level of tanking. They are like the champions of tanking. For once, the Dolphins are the best in the world at something, and it's losing football <laughs> games. In the first two weeks, they just didn't lose. They played the Ravens and the Patriots. They didn't just lose. They lost by a combined score of 102 to 10. Yeah. So what do they do? They go out and they trade their best player, probably. Minka Fitzpatrick, mm-hmm. the last year's first-round pick, number 11 overall. 
I hope they lose every game this year. I really do. I hope they lose every game. I hope they run the table. And then I hope at that goofy celebration that the members who are still alive from that perfect season, they get together, they have that celebration when the last team who's still undefeated finally loses a game during the regular season. They have that celebration. I hope they have to share it with these guys. So you, you got just taking the shine off. And now I get it. You know, losing is a strategy for some teams in professional sports, but this is pathetic. And and I think it's sad in the fact that they don't they haven't they don't let their fans know whenever a team decides to tank for the season. And when you and you're when you're this bad as the way the Dolphins appear to be, and you're still charging fans full price to watch a team that we know is intentionally trying to lose and you're still charging them for a full price. I I got to tell you, that's not right. Uh, why is it that some teams seem to have sustained success? They always seem to be successful, while other teams always seem to struggle. Same draft rules, same cap rules, completely different strategies and results. The Oakland A's in baseball never had, as far as I can remember, a uh, a full-out tank year. They always seem to be competitive. Mm -hmm. uh, and it looks like a good chance they're going to make the playoffs again this year. It's just amazing to me how some teams have that sustained success. When you think of a team, you think of the New England Patriots. Mm -hmm. That's probably the model team. I, we know there's others. There's the Yankees and the Red Sox have both had relatively consistent success for years. Um, the Atlanta Braves, if you count uh, division titles as success, you might want to throw them in. Somehow the Patriots are able to take a player off another team's junk pile and turn him into a contributing member of a championship team, and it doesn't matter who it is. They, they have that sustained success. I'm convinced it has less to do with money and more to do with intelligent leadership. Absolutely. I know everybody wants to say, oh, they bought a championship. I, you just can't throw money at a championship and think it's going to happen. And the same way, you just can't stockpile first-round picks and a bunch of draft picks and think you're going to have sustained success. You might have it for a year, mm -hmm. maybe a couple, but not what the Patriots have done. Yeah. That takes leadership, both on the field and off. Yeah. And if you look at the way the Patriots have done it, it flies in the face of conventional logic because how many times can you remember during this dynasty era that the Patriots actually picked in the first round? You hear so many times you build through the draft, build through the draft. The Patriots love to trade that pick away in the first round. And uh, you'll see them draft a quarterback when they don't need a quarterback because they can trade it for assets. And it's just they're so intelligently run. And then you look at other teams that are almost the opposite of that, the way Cleveland was for so long. And really, I, I'm convinced it starts at the top and works its way down in an organization. Yeah, I agree with you. Some teams succeed, some teams fail. Like I said, same cap rules, same draft rules. It's what each team does with the information they have, what they do with the draft info, whether they pick a guy or whether they pass on that guy, trade into a different spot to get a completely different set of options available to them. Same thing with things like the cap space, where to allocate the funds that they spend. Uh, some teams just seem to do it well. Like I said, you just can't throw money and think you're going to win. Uh, you got The money might put you in a position. You mm. might be in a better spot, but sustained success, no, that takes more than that. Both coaches and athletes need to buy in, and they give their max effort for winning organizations. I mean, like we said, somebody goes to the Patriots, and all of a sudden they've bought in. They're, they're, they're giving it all they got. There is a satisfaction in giving 
you're all for an organization who has a reputation for making effort pay off. Now, let's be honest. How much satisfaction will there be for a guy like Saquon Barkley of the Giants when he has a great individual year, but it pays off in a last place finish in his division? Eventually, isn't he going to want to go somewhere where his efforts will pay off? Yeah. Of course he will. For believers in Christ, sustained success depends on God. Now, he'll, of course, take us through valleys. He'll Maybe he'll take us to mountaintops. And he does that to help us grow our faith. You probably know of people who have that same consistent, successful uh, walk of faith, no matter whether they're at a mountaintop or going through an extreme trial in their life. And what is it? It's their faith in God. Sometimes we get complacent in our Christian faith and our Christian walks, and it hinders our spiritual growth. Do you remain dependent upon God to see you through, giving him the glory, whether you're at the top or, or whether you're at the bottom? When a team has success... They trust their system. When a business has success, they trust their business model. Now, things might not always be going right, but they don't panic. They trust that system. They're faithful to their basic philosophy that has brought them success over the years. Sure, they may have to adapt at times. They may have to update things. For the believer in Christ, that model is faith in God. Regardless if it's on a mountaintop and things are going well when faith comes easy or perhaps it's in the midst of a trial going through one of life's valleys and faith comes a little harder. But either way, we must remain close to God and dependent upon him. It's the Bible's great chapter of faith, Hebrews chapter 11. In it, we read over and over that by faith, someone did something. It's called the Bible's hall of faith. It's a pattern. It's the same. The person puts their faith in God and God does something mighty through them. Hebrews 11.6 says this, And without faith, it is impossible to please him. For he who comes to God must believe that he is, and that he is a rewarder of those who seek him. It's not by coincidence. I mean, this is God's great design, his glorious design, that we get all those examples of faith in Hebrews 11. And then we get this in Hebrews 12, verses 1 and 2, which say, let us also lay aside every encumbrance and the sin which so easily entangles us, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, for who the joy set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Lay aside the burden of sin by faith. Run with endurance the race which God has you on by faith. That race which for a purpose he has placed you in by faith. And do so by keeping your eyes fixed securely on, on the very author and finisher of our faith, Jesus Christ. Coming up after the break, Zach will have a few shenanigan statements for us. And later, are you like that segment? And one more thing, along with Zach Barletta, I'm Rick Benson. This is the Beyond the Game program. Time now to look back on the week in Roberts Wesleyan College Athletics. This is the Red Hawks recap for the week covering up through Wednesday, September 19th. The Red Hawks recap being brought to you by Roberts Wesleyan College. 
In women's soccer, freshman Julia Doriski and sophomore Haley Cole scored goals in a 2-1 road win over Bloomfield College last Saturday. Also on Saturday, the men's team fell at home against Seton Hill University 2-0. Both teams were back at it on Wednesday. The ladies were hosting Mansfield University when Israeli Groves, Taylor Rutland, and Myla Rutland all scored in a 3-0 victory. The men, meanwhile, were on the road against California University of Pennsylvania. Dylan Ruiz and Alex Perez-Vega each scored their second goals of the season as Roberts Wesley enrolled 4-0. And it was another tough weekend for the women's volleyball team as they dropped three matches at the Millersville University this past weekend in Pennsylvania. In other action, the Roberts Wesleyan women's tennis team evened their record at 2-2 as they defeated Houghton College on Tuesday 8-1. Looking ahead, it's a soccer doubleheader tomorrow, September 21st, as the women host St. Michael's College at noon, followed by the men's team hosting the University of Pittsburgh at Johnstown at 3.30. And both teams will be back home again next Saturday, September 28th, for another soccer doubleheader, taking on St. Thomas Aquinas College. Start time for the women is at 1, followed by the men at 3.30. Head on out and support the Red Hawks, the only Division II college athletics program in Rochester. Stay up to date with all the Roberts Wesleyan Athletics on their website, robertsredhawks.com. There you'll also find news, scores, highlights, and much more. And, of course, you can follow Roberts Wesleyan Athletics on Twitter at RWC Redhawks. This has been the Redhawks Recap presented by Roberts Wesleyan College. If you know a high school athlete looking to become their best self, think Roberts Wesleyan College. Hi, I'm Dr. Dina Porterfield, president of Roberts. We recently won six conference titles, our teams have made three NCAA national championship appearances, and 96 student athletes were named East Coast All-Conference. And Roberts has the only NCAA Division II program in Greater Rochester. Tell the athlete in your life about Roberts. Visit roberts.edu. The Power Up Sports Ministry Conference is October 8th in Grand Rapids, Michigan at the offices of Our Daily Bread Ministries. You'll hear from Clark Kellogg of CBS Sports, Carolina Hurricanes Chaplain Sid Graham and his wife Kristen, and from Mike Moore, Chaplain with the Houston Dynamo. It's the Power Up Sports Ministry Conference October 8th. Register at powerupsportsministry2019.eventbrite.com. Welcome back into the show. Glad to have you with us here on the Beyond the Game program. I'm Rick Benson. He's Zach Barletta. We're coming to you from Rochester, New York, recording in the BTG studio. But our show is available everywhere via podcast. And this week we say hello and thank you to Bedford, Texas, one of the many places to download last week's program. Arizona Cardinals quarterback Kyler Murray was born in Bedford, located there between Dallas and Fort Worth. Blake Swihart, catcher for the Arizona Diamondbacks, former Boston Red Sox, born in Medford, as was Miles Turner of the Indiana Pacers, former Buffalo Bills tight end Scott Chandler, Mets pitcher Donnie Hart, and 2004 bronze and silver medal winning Olympic gymnast Courtney Cuppets, as well as many other highly intelligent, good-looking people from Bedford, Texas. To those of you in Bedford, wherever it is you're listening from, we thank you as well. Here's Zach Barletta with this week's Shenanigans Statements. All right, number one. Washington Capitals forward Evgeny Kuznetsov is the latest NHL player to be suspended for cocaine use. Truth or shenanigans, the NHL has a cocaine problem. I'm going to say shenanigans, so I'm also going to say I'm admittedly ignorant here. At least I don't think they have any more of a problem than, say, other areas of society. 
cocaine seems to be that popular drug for people that maybe have the budget to be able to do it. Uh, any usage anywhere, I think, is a problem, of course. But from what I know, which, again, is admittedly limited, I don't know that the NHL has any bigger issue than any other area of society. Yeah, I'm, I don't know. I think I'm going to go ahead and agree with this one. Um, I mean, look, it seems like it's maybe only one to two guys gets to get popped for cocaine a year. Um, I remember a couple of years ago, there were a couple of L.A. Kings got busted for it. And there have been guys that have hinted at it being more widespread, but we've only seen a few. Um, but my concern is, like, you don't really hear about cocaine in other sports. It's really only in hockey that you hear about it. And on top of that, you look at the fact that, okay, cocaine can give you this, you know, amped up energy without really the fallback of the crash afterwards. And you look at some of these hockey players that just run around guys like Tom Wilson, you know, not that I'm saying Tom Wilson takes cocaine. I have no idea, but like these guys that are just ultra aggressive all the time. And you wonder if maybe there's something behind that other than just them being knuckle draggers. So I'm going to go ahead and say, yes, I think hockey might have a cocaine problem. Number two, Ben Roethlisberger's NFL career is over. You know, I'm going to say shenanigans, and I don't know him, of course, but he's one tough guy. That I know. And, and someone I tend to think who will be willing to invest the time and the effort and the focus that it takes to get back on the field. I, I think we'll please see him playing football again. I do, too. I agree. And when I wrote this question the other day, I— I was incorrect on his contract situation. I believed he was in the last year of his contract. Uh, I was incorrect. This was the last year of his original contract, but before the season he had signed an extension, so he actually still is under contract. Whether or not the Steelers honor that contract, we're going to find out a lot about Mason Rudolph in the next few weeks. So, I mean, if Mason Rudolph, they invested a second-round pick in him, if he looks really good, maybe you find a way to move on from all that money that you owe to Ben Roethlisberger. But I still think there will be teams out there that would need him even if he was cut, that would be willing to take on that deal. So I'm going to say shenanigans. I do think he'll continue to play. Can you imagine the backlash in Pittsburgh if the Steelers cut Ben Roethlisberger? But if you think about it, I mean, Antonio Brown is gone. Le'Veon Bell is gone. Ben Roethlisberger is really the last holdover from that era. And if they want to turn the page, start fresh, maybe you do it with Mason Rudolph, who knows, and a new head coach. It's going to be interesting. I still think he's going to play, so I do um, too. we'll see. Number three, Jaguars cornerback Jalen Ramsey requested a trade this week after getting into a sideline confrontation with coach Doug Marone on camera, by the way. Truth or shenanigans, Ramsey will get traded. What do you think about this one? I think so. Um, hmm. And here's why. Tom Coughlin still runs this team. Co Tom Coughlin is an old school disciplinarian. Tom Coughlin, I believe the Jaguars suspended Len Leonard Fournette themselves last year after his incident. I think they're going to have to purge there. I think Doug Marone's going to be gone after the season. I think Coughlin himself may be gone, but I think they're only going to take so much from him. Tom Coughlin is not going to stand for this. So I really think they're going to decide that the best way to settle this, especially when their season's probably over, they're playing Gardner Minshew the third at quarterback now. I think it might be time to move on and get an asset for him. So I'm going to say he does get traded. I'm going to say shenanigans. I know there's a bit of history here, and who knows if that relationship is irreparable or not. But this is a great player who the Jaguars need a player. They came into this with very high expectations, very high hopes. That Those hopes take a hit without Jalen Ramsey. Now, last I heard, they wanted two number ones for him. That's a big ask for a team yeah, to give up. Yeah, that's not going to happen. Uh, 
I wonder if they don't calm down and figure out a way to make this thing work out. I'm, I'm just not so sure that he, he, he's automatically getting traded away. On to the bonus question. Number four, Daniel Jones is the answer for the New York Giants. Shenanigans. He might be part of the answer. He might be the answer behind center, but the Giants need help in a lot of areas. This is a bad football team. The offensive line is a mess. Daniel Jones will be on the run for his life, but at least he's got the tools to run. You know, that's true. what separates him from Eli Manning. They're both going to be running from their for their lives. But they have to find some people mm-hmm. to block for him, and they need to find some people for him to throw the football to. He's the answer for the 2021 New York Giants. This year, look, they have Saquon Barkley. They have a good offensive line. They have Evan Ingram. But unfortunately, that's it. The defensive line is bad. The secondary See, is I don't bad. Know, I don't think their offensive the line is that good. Bad. I just... They have no wide receivers. The wide receivers they do have, I'm pretty sure, are all in concussion protocol at the same time. Who is he going to throw to? And can he cover a wide receiver? And can he stop the run? Because those are all the things that they're bad at. So, look, Daniel Jones is window dressing. He gives fans a reason to continue to buy tickets, he and Saquon Barkley. But he's not going to make this team any better than they were with Eli. When we come back, you like that? Stick with us. Along with Zach Barletta, I'm Rick Benson. This is the Beyond the Game program. When I have a home remodeling project, whether interior or exterior, I call McAfee's Remodeling Company. Family owned for nearly two decades, McAfee's Remodeling Company is the name I trust. Mike McAfee put a new bathroom into my house three years ago, and I'm still getting compliments on it every time someone comes over to visit. Mike and his crew are experienced and professional, and you'll be thrilled with their work. So give McAfee's Remodeling Company a call today at 402-1070. That's 402-1070. Or visit them online at McAfeeRemodeling.com. Welcome back into the program. I'm Rick Benson. He's Zach Barletta closing out this week's show with our You Like That segment. Hebrews 11.16 says, And do not neglect doing good and sharing, for with such sacrifice God is pleased. For me, Zach, this was an easy one. You know Roberts Wesleyan College is a friend of the program. Roberts AD Bob Seagave recently tweeted out a picture with the hashtag RedHawksReachOut of Roberts Wesleyan cross-country and track and field teams on the shoreline of Lake Ontario volunteering to keep our beaches clean and litter-free. I'm a huge fan of student leadership in any capacity at any level, and seeing it lived out off the athletic fields was encouraging. Robert Wesleyan College student-athletes living out that biblical principle of serving their community is what I like this week. This week I liked something that happened in the Tennessee Titans game, which is something that not a lot of people can say. But offensive lineman David Quessenberry, if you don't know the name, that's forgivable. I didn't know it till this week either. But he was unable to play in an NFL game from the years 2014 through 2016 while battling cancer. He returned to football shortly afterwards. This week, he scored a touchdown. Mm. An offensive lineman. First of all, I love fat guy touchdowns. But a fat guy touchdown for a guy who beat cancer is especially special to me. So David Quessenberry's touchdown for the Tennessee Titans on Sunday is what I liked this week. Well, that's going to do it for us. Thanks so much for being with us here on the Beyond the Game program. But there is just one more thing. As you probably know, NFL star quarterback Drew Brees was featured in a video for Focus on the Family Ministries, encouraging students to bring their Bibles to school on Thursday, October 3rd. A seemingly harmless video encouraging Christian young people to be bold about their faith and to live it out publicly 
by being willing to give an answer for why they live and believe as they do. 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 15 says, But sanctify Christ as Lord in your hearts, always being ready to make a defense to everyone who asks you to give an account for the hope that is in you, yet with gentleness and reverence. Let me read that last part again. You're going to share your faith. You're going to give an answer. Do it with gentleness and reverence. I want to encourage you, Breeze said, to live out your faith on bringing your Bible to school day and share God's love with friends. You're not alone. Of course, many who persistently seek to suppress any mention of Jesus Christ or the truths found within the Word of God immediately declared their outrage and went on the attack under the all-too-common veil of we're offended. Alt-media website Deadspin went to their furthest extreme. By running the clickbait headline, Drew Brees appears in video for gay conversion therapy sickos doesn't understand what the big deal is. I, I don't even know what to say to that. It's so far from what actually happened. Our culture mocks faith. Well, at least the Christian and Jewish faiths, anyway. It rejects biblical truths, which they don't like or, or which don't appease the lifestyle they've chosen to live. For the most part, people will teach their children that lying is wrong, which, of course, is a biblical teaching. But when applied to their own lives, the application isn't the same. You have to understand, though, disagreement is not always hate. In fact, most times it's not hateful at all. We simply disagree. From time to time, I have people knock on my door to have a conversation about their faith. I don't fear them, nor do I accuse them of being hateful. We can have a conversation. It's usually brief, as neither have they changed my mind, nor have I changed theirs. What is it that biblical objectors are so afraid of? I'm not in support of Bible believers forcing their beliefs on others. Frankly, I'm not even sure how you can force it on anyone anyway. But what is the fear of a civil discussion sharing competing views? We can do this in the sports world. I may be a Yankees fan. Well, you may root for another team. I may like the DH rule. You may not. I may like instant replay. You may not. We can disagree. It doesn't mean one or the other is hateful. The fact of the matter is this. They want to suppress the truth because they know it's exactly that. It is indeed the very truth. John chapter 8, 31 and 32, Jesus says, if, I, if you continue in my word, then you are truly disciples of mine, and you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. Christian, be encouraged, because at the end of the day, it's not you that they hate. He said in John, Jesus did, John chapter 15, verse 18, if the world hates you, you know that it has hated me before it hated you. Be encouraged that what they truly hate what they really want to suppress is Jesus. What they fail to realize is that when we tell them about him, it's not hate. In fact, quite the opposite. It's love. This I command you, Jesus said, that you love one another. Just one verse earlier in John chapter 15, verse 17. What greater love is there than to be concerned about the eternity of another? Now, if you prefer not to talk about it, simply say, I don't want to talk about it. Attacking them as hateful or taking away their liberties, is actually what is hateful. Well, that's our show for this week. Remember that this radio program only airs thanks to the generous support of our listeners. Your prayers and your financial gifts make the Beyond the Game program possible. Please pray about becoming a supporter of this radio ministry, and if you feel led to give a financial gift of any amount, whether it be a one-time gift or recurring, visit our website, btgprogram.com. 
For Zach Barletta, I'm Rick Benson. Lord willing, we'll be back together again next week right here at this same time. Be bold and be great this week, everybody. Thank you.